This is episode number 27 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Everybody, welcome to episode number 27 of High Impact Leaders. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you acquire leadership and management skills to improve your career and facilitate dynamic growth in your business. On this episode, I'm going to cover some tips on how to create more effective employee reviews or performance appraisals. If you're a manager or a leader in your organization, you'll want to kind of take notes because the tips on this episode can really help your team members be more efficient and, and grow in their craft as at a much faster rate than what most people do. And if you're not yet in leadership, then the tips can really help you increase your productivity and efficiency so that you can move up into management and leadership. The episode is brought to you by the Leaders Institute. Hey, by the way, we're just weeks away from releasing our new High Impact Leaders Leadership Development Training. In the past, this program has just been a, a single series of workshops. The new version, though, is a combination of in-person seminars, workshops, uh, virtual virtual coaching sessions, online training, uh, the whole the whole gambit. It's it's awesome. Uh, if you want more, if you want to be more autonomous, or if you want to if you want your team to develop into strong, inspirational leaders, then then stay tuned. We'll be releasing more information about this as we. Uh, as it's released in the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing the details uh, in the next week and the week after. Um, if you'd like details, by the way, you can always go to our website at leadersinstitute.com. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. Hey, so the original title of this session is, is your performance review system outdated? I, I, I don't, if you're, if you're not in human resources, if you're not in a, a role where you have to do performance reviews, um, this, this episode can still be very helpful to you if you have to participate in some of these performance reviews or if you're, uh, if you're working for or um, in a company that doesn't yet have some type of performance review system. What we're going to do is going to give you some some tips on how to make those things work a whole lot better. Most of them aren't very good, by the way, just so you know. I mean, most of the performance review systems that are out there just aren't aren't fantastic. Um, and and we'll kind of cover why in this episode and kind of show you some things that you can do to increase productivity, increase efficiency, get the results that you want from those review systems, um, but without spending a whole lot of time and making it a chore for everybody. So. So if you've ever asked your, your, these questions like, um, like for instance, uh, if, if you are using one of these performance review systems, is it the same type of system that your parents used or your grandparents used? Then most likely it's probably pretty out of date. One common complaint that comes up in like job satisfaction surveys, you know, if, if either while an employee is working for a company or, a lot of times it'll be um, exit surveys when folks leave a company. Um, they, the feedback that often comes up is, I never get useful information about how, how well I'm doing my job. And the other side, you know, managers will sometimes become frustrated because their team has to constantly be directed. You know, the manager will give information or give, give um, 
a, a, a job to somebody and then have to constantly look over their shoulder. So a, a lot of times the managers will say at that point, or at least they'll fake it if they don't say it, we'll, we'll say something like, well, why can't I find more team members who are like me, right? Well, if, if those kind of things are happening, if you're experiencing these symptoms, then there's a good chance that your performance review system just really doesn't work or you don't have one, which is if you're in a small business, that might be the case as well. So in this session, I want to give you a few tips that will help you use these tools better. You know, for instance, I'll cover a few employee appraisal systems that fail almost every time. And in addition, I'm going to give you tools that not only help you with, with employee reviews, but also improve productivity. And then finally, I'm going to give you a few examples of performance review phrases that you can use with your team, whether that's during a performance review or just in normal day-to-day -day kind of coaching. So let's first talk about the old-timey performance review systems that are that are out there. Um, like, for instance, a, a, a the the analogy I like to use is that a, a good employee review system is kind of like a GPS for your for your cars. Uh, you know, most companies today they use a performance review system that was invented decades ago in a much slower business economy. And these these assessments are often given to employees in like an annual or semi-annual, sometimes if they're better, a quarterly review. But as a result, the information tends to be outdated by the time it's received by the person who could benefit most from the information, the employee, <laughs> the person who's being reviewed doesn't get that information timely. So um, the, the analogy I like to use when I, going back to the GPS example is let's say that you're taking a vacation and you're driving from Atlanta to like Pensacola. I mean, that, that's about a five hour drive and almost the entire drive is interstate highway. So, you know, so, um, so basically you get in your car and just outside of Atlanta, you turn off your GPS because it's, it's interstate. You kind of, you're going to stay on the same road, but then, um, but, but you get to a city where the interstate forks, you know, um, one way is I 85 and the other is I 185, right? They look identical by the way. And, and you sort of recall years ago when you made that trip last that you were supposed to take the fork to the right. And so you do that. And you continue to drive for another hour or so, you know, before you start to see the signs to, you know, that you're heading toward Tallahassee, not Pensacola, right? So you turn your GPS on again at that point. And by the time you do, though, you realize that you're way off course. So your five-hour drive has now turned into a seven-hour drive. And that's exactly what happens when we coach our team members. If we wait three months or six months or a year to coach them, then they may be way off course in the meantime. So let's talk about some of the mistakes that um, these performance appraisals will typically have and, and what will cause some problems. So mistake number one is if you have a performance appraisal based on vague or subjective soft skills. Um, so tell me if this sounds familiar. All right, so um, you're gonna be rated on a scale of one to five, one being poor, five being best, for assertive communication skills and leadership skills and your ability to motivate others, right? So the big problem here is that the employee review now be, it becomes based entirely on somebody's opinion, right? I know, I mean, we all like to think that we're objective and fair. However, our, our memories don't really work that way. For instance, that, that direct report the person that you're doing the assessment for may have it. They, they, that person may, has, may have had an awesome year. And if something really negative happened last week, though, 
that single incident can affect our subjective opinion. It sticks in our, in, in our head, right? The opposite is true as well. I mean, an employee's record was stellar for a long time, you know, for years, employees been working for you for years and has always had a stellar record. Uh, but in recent times, in the last three or four months or six months or a year, you know, sometimes we'll often overlook huge deficiencies at, at the present. I'll give you an example that's like totally unrelated to employee appraisals to show you how this, this works. Like my family and I went to, you know, one of our favorite restaurants for years, you know, it's, it's very close to our house. And so we go there a lot. Uh, on one occasion though, we stood at the hostess stand, this is pre-COVID and all that kind of stuff. So, but we stood at the hostess stand for like 10 minutes even though the place was pretty empty. I mean, there wasn't any, I mean, it was, there are plenty of open tables, but nobody actually came up to seat us. Right. And so we, and, and then once we were seated, we sat at the table for 15 minutes or so before the waiter came and took our drink order. So, we, I mean, we've been there for like 25 minutes and with no service whatsoever, really. And it seemed like for forever before we got our drinks. And then, you know, I looked at my watch and we'd arrived. It had been like 45 minutes had now gone by and we hadn't even placed our, our food order yet. And it actually got worse from there, by the way. I mean, it, it was so, it was just one of those times that was just really, really frustrated. Now we assume that the crew just had a bad night. You know, we'd been there many, many times, always had a pretty good experience. So uh, a few weeks later, we tried it again and we had a similar experience. Now, the point is, is that, we returned to that restaurant because of our because our past experiences clouded our judgment on the current performance. So opinion-based employee assessments have a very similar similar challenge. You know, if we're, we're if we like the person, we're going to give them good ratings, even though their performance may not be up to par. And vice versa, if we're not really crazy about the person they may have great performance and we give them a, a poor review and we're not coaching them effectively. We're not really helping them grow as a, as a, as an employee and we're not doing our job as a, as a manager or leader as well. So that's mistake. Number one, Now, mistake number two is providing blunt criticism from many sources. Um, if you've ever had experience with like a 360, 360 degree assessment, that's where you get a, uh, your your boss gives you an assessment and then people that work for you give you an assessment. So you're getting it from both sides. And then your your um, the people that are that are uh, at the same level in the organization are also giving you an assessment. Um, and those sound like really good ideas because it's no longer just a single person that's given their opinion. The problem though is that the the challenge hasn't changed. You know, we're still giving our assessment based on an opinion. Now we're just getting lots of different opinions and they may contradict each other. So you know, basically our theory is that if you get, if you get enough opinions, you can get a better view than a single opinion. The, the problem though, is that you're still measuring something that is subjective you know, people's opinions. So if you, um, I'll, I'll give you an example from early in my career. By the way, when I was in when college, when I was in college, I had a an internship with a major Fortune 500 con company. I did just it was a blast. I had a great time. Um, I, I spent the entire summer working for six department heads. That's basically in order to teach me the the industry. You know, my boss basically had me spend a couple of weeks with one department head and another couple of weeks with another. That way, I could learn a lot of different aspects. So it was really cool. It was a, a really neat experience. Well, at the end of the summer, though, my big boss had to had to complete an assessment of my work. He basically had to do an assessment just like they do for for their normal employee assessments. 
Um, but this was for the intern program, right? So he had to submit it to the, the person who was in charge of the, the intern program. So since, since he had not worked directly with me, he had each of those six department heads do the assessment. And then he, aver- he just averaged their numbers. And, and I was excited because the technique seemed really fair, you know, it seemed like something that made a lot of sense. Um, but each of those managers thought that I was a great intern, by the way. I mean, I, I got, they, we, I, I had a, a I, I think their opinion of me was, was fairly high. I mean, it's been a long time ago, but, um, but however, they had to judge me on a, on a performance based on the same five point scale that they use for themselves and for their direct reports. And so I still remember that the ache in the pit of my stomach when I saw, all of the threes and fours on, on the job evaluation on that assessment. And, and I, I, you know, I was just kind of shocked, you know, because at the time, you know, I made pretty good grades in school. I mean, I was in college and my grades were pretty high. And so I was thinking, I saw a three, you know, it was only one, but still I saw that, that three and I'm like, Holy cow, that's like a 50% in, in my book. Right. So I thought I just kind of really blew it. And he kind of laughed at me and he, he said that, um, that very few people actually ever receive fives on their evaluations because that would leave little room for improvement. So basically four was what most, most everybody got. And then three would have been the one area in that assessment where, you know, that, that would be your area for improvement. And that's kind of what they did with me. So it's four, 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 three, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, which is basically what everybody else got. <laughs> so, so um, it, it wasn't really geared toward how well I did. It was basically just a, a regurgitation of what, what everybody else would have gotten if they, if that survey was done for them. Right. So afterward, I left with the same question that many employees ask today, you know, did I actually do my job well or not? So, um, so just because you are getting multiple opinions doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a better result than just a single opinion. Mistake number three, by the way, is making the performance review process an absolute chore for everybody involved. And, and by the way, that's the absolute biggest mistake that companies make is to is to make this performance review system so complicated. Um, I'm, they, I'm, you really want the system to help your team grow. And if they hate the process, that's not going to happen. If they hate these things, like, oh, God, you know, a good test by this, but a good test to see how effective your, your process is, is just randomly say this in your next staff meeting or next time you have all your, your team together, just randomly kind of say something like, Oh, wow, guys, it's time for the annual reviews again. And then just watch the reaction. If you see negative visual feedback, guess what? Your performance appraisals stink. (laughs) They're not very good, right? When you institute a system that tracks the employee productivity in an objective way, though, results and the results are more fair you can get this by by measuring results, not opinions. For instance, we could determine the winner of a football game by who has the prettier uniforms. Or we could measure their teamwork, their enthusiasm, their or their communication. You see the problem though? I mean, all of those items are valid. You know, a good team has to communicate well and work well together. They have to have enthusiasm. However, they can have all of those things and still never, ever score a point. So instead of measuring teamwork, you might focus on something more tangible like yards per carry, right? Or on defense, you might measure things like tackles by two or more players. You know, so if two or more people are making a tackle, that means that 
that takes pretty good teamwork, right? Not solo tackles. It's the multiple person tackle, right? So when, when you measure and praise those things, then teamwork now improves. So those are things that are, that are more tangible. So let's kind of talk about ways that you can update your performance review system to really increase the productivity and also increase your employee satisfaction at the same time. So if you use a new type of performance assessment, it's going to improve that, that employee satisfaction. So in today's fast-paced economy, those traditional systems just don't work. And by the way, I, I, I'm not sure they ever did. You know, I know they don't work today, but I'm not sure they actually ever worked, period, right? Performance appraisals should be short, you know, no more than 10 minutes. Shouldn't take you any more than 10 minutes to do a performance appraisal for any of your, your team members. They should also focus on the results expected from the employee's current position. Um, and in addition to that, they should also be, be measuring how effectively the employee's current goals are being met. And then finally, and, and really above all, the review should be easy to write. Right? It should be easy for the manager, whoever it is that's doing the coaching, to be able to do it. So, for example, we, we may expect a, a, a number of different things from a project manager, for instance. If the, if the project, you know, one of the things might be, is the project on schedule? That would be something we want the project manager to be on schedule. Is the project under budget? We want it to be under budget. Um, are the, um, the company quality standards being met? So we've got certain standards that have to be met. Is the customer satisfied? Are, are, are employee expenses in line? So all, those are all things that are tangible uh, items that that we could expect from a uh, a project manager, and all these results, you know, they can be measured throughout the entire project. So if if um, if I'm this project manager's boss, then she and I can meet for just a couple of minutes at the beginning of each week. We can look at the tangible measurements to determine if the goals are being met. And if I do this every week and each meeting is documented, I, can, I, I then can see a trend as time goes by. I can also judge this project manager's work compared to other project managers. So now if I meet with this employee once a year to go over the trends, there's no surprises. You know, she and I met every week and we've, and we've looked at those numbers. So both I and the employee now know exactly what those trends are. So if you want to set up a, a system like this, these are some steps that you can follow. The first thing you want to do is clarify the expectations from both the manager and the employee, right? Now, I'm sad to have to admit this, but I, I spent years struggling as a manager and as a leader because I skipped this step. It's so simple and, um, and I just didn't do it, right? So we can't assume that the people that work for us and around us are going to understand our expectations. You know, for instance, in my office, we don't have time clocks. Um, we, we, and we, my team has the freedom to come and go when, whenever they need to. Some days are really busy. And so team members come in really early and get ahead to get a head start. And then others may end up staying a little later. You know, for me though, I love to work, you know? So when I'm, when I'm excited about a project or especially if I'm working on a project that I'm really into, I'll often start early in the morning and I'll work until 2 a.m. and be back up at the crack of dawn. So to me, this is, it's, it's a fun part of what I do and I really enjoy what I do. So it's just, it's just what I like. It's, it's my, it's my recreation. It's not just work. Right. 
So by the way, I don't expect any of my team members to do this, however. I know people have lives more than what I do. Um, however, when I see a team member kind of showing up at 10 a.m. and then leaving at 2.30, it kind of bothers me, right? So I expect each team member to put in a, I mean, if, if I'm paying them a salary, I, I expect them to put in a full day of work and, and, and to do that work that I'm paying them to do. Um, so for instance, a, a good example of this is years ago, I had a video director who didn't really understand that I had this expectation. You know, we had, we had that freedom. So, and, and by the way, he did excellent work. I mean, just phenomenal. If it's looking at some of the videos that, that we put out uh, in, in those couple of years that he was working for us, just phenomenal stuff. However, he would sometimes go days without coming into the office. He wouldn't call in, you know, it was like he, he wouldn't reach out to his coworkers and, and about the project statuses and, and any of that kind of stuff. So from his perspective, by the way, he was likely working on projects until really late in the evening. I mean, he had this high dollar equipment at a, in, in his home office or his own home studio. And, um, and most likely he was kind of working the work hours that I was, you know, he was probably, you know, going home from the office, working for, you know, 12 hours and then getting a couple hours of sleep and getting up and, and, and doing it again. But I didn't know, right. There was no way for any of us at the office to know. And so he was expected, he expected to be judged based entirely on the finished work provided. And personally, I love this, by the way, this falls in line with, with, basically what I was talking about that I do, right? So, however, the other team members would see this behavior and wonder why he was getting special treatment and, you know, why he wasn't coming in every day. So eventually I, I ended up having to end the relationship because I, I hadn't been clear about my expectations up front. So I would suggest typing up a simple document that outlines what you expect from each of your team members. You may even have them type up a document of what they expect from you as well. And, uh, and just that little piece of, of um, documentation can really keep a lot of miscommunication from occurring and keep you from getting in some, into some of those kind of squirmy things that I was talking about before. So step two is you want to clarify the results that are expected from each one of those positions that you have in your, in your company or in your, in your department. Instead of outlining intangibles to judge people on, identify the results that you require from each of those positions. Let each team member know the specific criteria for their success. Like I'd suggest starting out with like three major most important results and maybe adding a fourth or a fifth if necessary. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One example that's really easy to measure. And then the second, that's a little bit more difficult because, and your team members will likely be somewhere in between these two extremes. So the easy example is like a sales rep, a sales representative. The main result that we expect from a sales representative is, well, more sales, right? So all we really have to do is put a number on it. So um, like, for instance, I could tell my sales rep, I'd like you to generate at least $200,000 in revenue this year, right? And we can add to those results based on past experiences or whatever. For instance, 
Um, uh, like uh, one of the things that we could add on to that would be your goal is to make sure that at least 50% of your revenue comes from repeat business. If that's one of the things that we're focusing on with our, with our organization. Now notice we're focusing on the results though, not the activities. I'm not telling them how to get that repeat business. I'm just saying that that is an important focus and we want a big percentage of that, of that revenue to be repeat business. We're demanding that the sales rep, I mean, we're not, we're not demanding that the sales rep, for instance, make 200 cold calls or something like that. Instead, we're relying on the rep's expertise to make adjustments in order to get that result. If we're focusing on the result, the activities kind of can be adjusted to get the result that we're looking for. Now, a harder example, and obviously the sales rep, easy example, the harder example might be a position like an administrative assistant. A, A position like this may have hundreds of different activities in many different areas. So the results that you're looking for may need to be a little broader. You know, for instance, the admin may be responsible for the accuracy of company reports or customer satisfaction survey. So the key is to make the results tangible and measurable though. So again, step one, clarify the expectations. Step two, identify what those results are. And then the third thing that you wanna do is is find a way to measure those results. Set up the things that you want to measure. Um, By the way, step number one and step number two typically only take a short period of time to create. I mean, it may take some thought process and, and some creativity in, in some cases, but the, but this step typically takes a little bit longer. This is the one that you'll spend most of the time on with these this new type of assessment. Um, so when you have those results identified, we need to figure out a way to measure those results. Again, with the sales rep example, that's a whole lot easier. All you really have to do is track new contracts and identify if those new contracts are, are new customers or repeat customers, right? So those are things that are fairly easy to, to track and, and you'll, you'll have a, those will be a piece of cake. With the administrative assistant though, you might measure the timeliness of the reports or the accuracy of the reports. You may institute a continuous random customer satisfaction survey and, or something of the, of the, of, of that type of system and it put that type of system in place. But regardless of how you measure the results, you do have to absolutely measure the results. Otherwise, you're all, you, you've only got the subjective opinions to rely on when you're judging the, the success of each one of these positions. So I'd suggest identifying at least, I'd say five to 10 areas of measurement for each result that you're expecting. And, uh, and if you do that, you're going to have a pretty good picture of whether or not that person is really succeeding at that position. So finally, you want to review the measurements with the team member more frequently. So um, like, for instance, with this, with this system, a manager can schedule weekly or monthly mini interviews taking just minutes at a time. You know, these sessions, are they're valuable, by the way, because they open up lines of communication. They also give managers a chance to update the progress of the employee in different result areas. If the employee is performing above expectations, then this is an opportunity to, to shine or let that, that praise that, that person and, and his or her activities and then set new goals. And alternatively, if the employee is performing below expectations, then corrective actions can can be taken. So after each meeting, 
all you really have to do is just take a couple of, of minutes to write out the results so that you're documenting those, the, that, that, that meeting. Um, these mini interviews, you know, they make annual performance appraisals, by the way, a piece of cake because the employee and the manager now have as many as 52 separate written measured checkpoints along the way that show how the employee has performed over that last year. So the annual review now has documented facts to, to base an appraisal on. So the employee sees that, that he or she was on budget 95% of the time versus receiving a four out of five, right? So with the former, if, if she gets 96% next year, she got 95% this year, 96% next year, she can actually see improvement. With the latter, she just gets the same four out of five next year too, right? So although the system is not foolproof, it can greatly reduce the stress and the tension associated with, with performance appraisals. So let me give you, let me kind of finish up by giving you some, some sample employee comments for a performance review um, to, to just kind of show you the beauty of a system like this is that if you're doing a subjective opinion performance appraisal, like we talked about before, giving comments to team members is really tough. In fact, you'll find people searching for this on Google, you know, what to say during a performance appraisal, because it's so hard. Um, we have to delicately balance between praising and offering constructive criticism. That's hard, by the way. And we also have to explain why the person got a three instead of a five and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't care how good of a people person you are. You're going to be walking on eggshells if you if 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 you when you're delivering a a report like this, right? And if you don't, your team member, if you don't walk on eggshells, if you're not delicate with that, then your team members are likely going to walk out feeling pretty low. I mean that that's that's the exact opposite of what we're wanting from this this system. So let me give you a couple of examples. First, I'm going to give you the bad performance review comment examples. So if you're using the outdated performance system, you're likely going to have to say something like this. I, you know, again, this is totally made up, but, but you, you'll get the picture anyway. So, so you're giving a report to Bob. So Bob, Bob, you know, as you know, I'm required to do this employee review every year. And just like last year, you scored really high in, and then you give a list of the the, the things that Bob scored high in, those, there's probably five or six, and they're going to be very subjective scores that, that the boss made up, right? Um, the, the areas that you scored average in are, and then that's going to, you're going to follow by a list of subjective scores there. And then I think that the areas that you can stand to improve in, Bob, though, are, and then typically it's going to be one or two areas. And those are going to be your areas for improvement, right? your team member will likely walk out of your office mumbling under his or her breath about how unfair you are and how you don't know anything and that kind of thing. Right. Um, however, if you, if you use the, the system, like I'm kind of laying out for you, the, the comments are a whole lot different. So if you're using this system and, and on a weekly basis, your meetings are going to sound something like this, right? So you're meeting with Bob, same thing. So Bob, hey, how'd you do in, and then you just give him the first result area. You got three or four or five of these result areas. Hey, so how did you do in result area number one last week? And then you shut up and then you let Bob respond with his tangible number from his five measurements that he knows about. And then that, that he made that week, right? 
And then, um, and then you could follow up with a follow-up question like, well, now is that higher or lower than previous weeks? You may already know that, but you let Bob explain it anyway. And then if it's lower, you ask him why, if it's higher, you ask him why, Hey, what happened different? That kind of thing. And Bob will respond to you. All right. Now, what adjustments are you going to make this week, Bob, to improve these results even more? I mean, you did really well, but what can we do this one? And then Bob will respond again. So but, but at that point, both you and Bob leave the meeting with a very clear understanding of what Bob is doing well and what he needs to improve in and a plan to make that improvement. So if you use the system for the, if you use the same system for an annual performance review, you might say something like, like this to Bob. So, Hey, Bob, let's look at the weekly reports for the last year and tell me what you see. So basically you got all 52 of those or 12 of those, if you're doing it on a monthly basis or whatever it is. And then you let Bob explain his accomplishments or deficiencies over that past year. Basically, you just got all of those out and maybe they're in a spreadsheet or something like that. And you're kind of seeing charts or graphs or something that, that is more tangible and, and at that point, you know very clearly and very easily if Bob deserves an advancement or a promotion because the conclusion is going to be obvious at that point. So this performance appraisal type system, is it, it's fast. It's easy to implement. It also gets you fantastic results. And if, you, if, if you'd like help creating one of these, just contact me through LinkedIn or you can leave a, a comment in the, um, on, um, uh, in the show notes or, or wherever you get your, your podcast or just go to leadersinstitute.com, fill out a web form uh, and request some information. And uh, I'll be happy to, to kind of show you how to set one of these things up. Thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.